This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor. With more than 30 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings, you'll learn to take your mortgage practice to new heights. Certified Mortgage Planner and CEO of KineticSparkConsulting.com. Here is Jennifer Duplessis. Hi, welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. I am so happy that you decided to join us today. And if you're brand new, welcome to our community. We really appreciate it. I also want to let you know that um, for a period of time there, we were only showing 100 shows at a time, and we have now corrected that on iTunes, so you'll be able to get all of our shows from the very beginning. So go back and listen to the first uh you know, 10, 15 of those shows, and um, hopefully it'll help your business grow. So today I have a um, wonderful guest with me, Michelle Town. How are you doing today, Michelle? Doing great. Hi, everybody. Well, listen, uh, let me just give a little debrief about you, and then you I'd love for you to tell us about you as well. So let me tell you a little bit about Michelle. Um, she's with the Town Group, which is her team. That's her team lead. And she's within Arbor Financial, which is a mortgage broker in California. Um, she's been in the business since 1989. And ironically, and I kind of like this, Michelle, that you and I sort of had that same path of being a processor and then an underwriter and then jumping into origination, you know, later on. I can't wait to hear about that. Um, and, uh, you know, the biggest thing that if you're listening in that you want to know about is that in 2017, Michelle will close $97 million of, um, in volume, 200, serving 202 families, and her average loan amount is 552000 So we are in the presence of greatness in our industry, and particularly with a woman, and I love that too. You know, I, I interview lots of men and lots of women, but I always love hearing when we're making, you know, an impact. So, Michelle, what else would you like to tell us about? Why don't you tell us about your team and about, you know, maybe how you got into the business? Oh, I'd love to. Um, I'll do a quick five minute of how I started in this business. Um, 1989, I was working at Miramar, which is a naval air base down here in California. Best job for a female. You work with 150,000 men. I loved it, but I realized I needed to grow up and get a career. Um, so I company applied for a, a receptionist job and was fired the same day. Uh, the gentleman said, <laughs> you'd be much better as a processor. You ask way too many questions. So he obviously hired me back as a processor and he invested, you know, a good couple years in me to teach me how to do, um, to process loans. And I have an insatiable um, want to learn. Um, and that is what has propelled me. I, I, I didn't it wasn't enough just to process a loan. I wanted to understand how the loan works. Why did we ask for all this stuff? So I, I feel like that kid, you know, when you're seven or eight, you start asking your, your parents why, 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 why. Well, that right. was me. And I annoyed a lot of people, but I also became exceptional at my job by asking all those questions. Um, fast forward, I processed and underwrote, got my DE. Um, I really believe when it comes to sales that, the baseline of your triangle is product knowledge. Um, if you know your product, you can sell anything. So um, in 2007, right in the middle of the crash, you know, I called up my father and I said, I think I want to become an originator. I think I'm ready to take that, that leap of faith. And he goes, are you kidding me? At this time <laughs> of the year when everything is falling apart? Go, right. Well, I said, what better way if I can make it through, you know, through 2007 I'm, you know, I'm going to be really good. And, you know, boy, I did not know what I was up for. Um, 
I will tell you, I, I kept processing on the side for a while. Thank goodness I had that talent still because it kept me afloat. But 2007 and eight, I starved um, as far as originations go. Um, because I, I think it's because I didn't know how to do it. I, you know, we, we tend to think, or your support staff tends to think that you have the easiest job ever. And yeah. I was telling Jen earlier that I had to go back to two years after I became an originator, I was at my loan officer and apologized to them and said, oh my gosh, you guys have it a lot harder than it looks. And um, I got a very healthy, um, humbling experience from 2007 to nine and realized I needed to do something different. Um, how do I set myself apart? I started asking those questions. I started listening to Tim Brahim. Um, I couldn't afford coaching at the time, so I, I took all the online coaching that I could. Remember, my insatiable quest for learning t- right. brought me to these places. And, you know, structure, 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 as a processor and as an underwriter, structure is your basis. And I go, go back to what you know. And so what I knew was I needed to come up with a system that worked for me. So I started very small. Um, I went to a community that my... I remember my broker laughing at me. He used to call them car loans. Um, they were, you know, thirty to forty thousand dollar loans. That was my average loan size in two thousand and seven, <laughs> eight, nine, and ten. Right. And I, it was crazy. And you know, you, I, I would make five hundred dollars per file. I was really happy with that. And I took from there and built um, what I like to call our little empire. And we we continually change and grow. And um, I would tell you my biggest jump, um, I was doing probably from 2009 to 12, I was, I was averaging 20 to 25 million, which is a really good originations. But in California, I wanted to really break out. And um, what set me apart there as I, I got into coaching, I hired a coach. I spent the money. I, took, I would take 10% of everything that I earned. So on a $500 file, I would take $50 and put it aside and put it into marketing. So I'm, I'm going to make everybody laugh. I, so at the end of 2009, I think I funded 10 loans. So I had, I don't know, $500. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had $500 and I go, okay, well, I got to make this work. So I went online and bought these pens that said, you know, at the time I was working for Benchmark Funding, it said Benchmark Funding in Michelle Town, and I bought 5,000 of them. Because oh my gosh. I'm in bulk. I still have one box left of those. It's my bo- I won't throw them away. It's my, it's my reminder of investing in myself. But that's what I did. I handed out those pens for, <laughs> for two years. I just hand, everybody got a pen. You know, it's like they would laugh. Pens, they go, we have them. I said, you need more. Um, so um, that was where it started. And then I went into coaching, um, really started really investing in myself. Um, I am always looking for new products. I always try to learn the guidelines inside and out so I can answer the question. But I, I would tell you one of the most powerful lessons that I learned was to be able to say, I don't know and be okay yeah. with that. Um, mm-hmm. it's so as a new originator, you don't want to tell people you don't know. Man, I, I made the same mistakes that probably all of you will make at least once or twice is I would speak more than what I feel. And then I got myself into trouble. I didn't know how to get myself out of trouble. You know, I didn't want to admit that I was wrong. Um, just a lot of things that we all make as rookie mistakes. And, boy, I'll tell you, when you learn that it's okay to say I don't know and it's okay to say, oh, my gosh, I made a mistake, and finding the, the talent and the, um, the expertise in saying that, 
And um, boy, that I don't know, Jen, about you, but that was a huge learning lesson for me. And it probably was, again, it's another humbling experience, but it's also a way to understand that, you know, I am not perfect, nor do I want to be perfect. I strive for perfection, but I don't ever want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to ever hit that. So yeah. fast forward, we're doing great. I have a team of six people working with me now. Um, I am the only originator on my team at this point, but I have six incredible support staff. Um, one is business development. She goes out and, you know, she's, she's very likable up front. Um, she has a good work ethic, and she goes out and gets me the appointments with the realtors. She will dig through my database. Um, I would also tell you database management is absolutely imperative at this stage of your game. You never want, if you're not marketing, somebody else is and that was another hard lesson to learn three years ago yeah yeah so So, that is my uh, story that's awesome that's awesome I love I love hearing the stories of that and um, I know you know behind the scenes you and I will talk about some of the fun things about fax machines and when they all came out and how exciting it was um, oh, yeah. way back, way back. Okay, so let's keep going with your team just a quick second since you mentioned them. I just want to make sure we continue with that since, um, since you brought it up. So, so you have a business development officer, and so she goes out and meets with realtors and networks and um, says, you know, you need, to meet, you need to meet Michelle. She's great, this, that, and the other. Digs back into your database, you know, for client acquisition um, and for retention as well. I'm assuming it's for retention too. Correct. Okay, um, and then who else do you have on your team? So, and then I have um, this last year I added um, somebody else. I added a, I would call it an office manager or a pipeline manager. This particular person, their entire job and their bonus is based on this is to make sure my loans close on time every time, um, make sure that the process flow keeps going well. We meet every morning for 15 minutes every morning. And then mm-hmm. we meet once a week for an hour where we go over um, what happened during the week, uh, what files did we, we call them hits and misses, um, mm-hmm. what, what files did we do a home run on, what files did we miss on, um, what can we do to improve, what areas do we need to uh, change, is there one of the other support staff that needs more coaching. I mean, we go very in-depth, and, um, and I trust this person a hundred percent, and I allow him to make mistakes. Um, that was another hard lesson to learn, which coaching helped me learn was: you're going to hire a, you're going to hire a team member, and they're not going to be you, and you have to yeah. be okay with that. God, it's so hard, right, Jen? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hard. Just, I mean, but I think with maturity it. and over time, you know, you learn to do that. I think it has a maturity level as well as a production level. I really do. Oh, for sure. And I can tell you, yeah, I can tell you two years ago, I would just say, well, I'll just do it then. That was my uh-huh. standard answer was I would just mm-hmm. do it. And what I realized when you say something like that to your team is you defeat them, not knowing that you in your mind you're helping them. But in your mind, in their mind, they defeated. They're like, well, and then you cripple them because then they always come to you for everything. And um, so you have to go through that, that haircut stage where you let them make the mistakes. Um, obviously, you don't make it become such a critical mistake that the loan dies, but you have to allow them. And one of the things, and I hope this helps anybody who's growing a team, I have them, they have to come to me after they've done three things. So I manage the exceptions now. So 
they have to identify the problem. They have mm -hmm. to reach out if it's a, an underwriting question or a debt to income ratio or anything like that. They have to reach out to the underwriter first, and then they need to come with me to come to me with a solution. So mm -hmm. my team knows that they when they come to me with a problem that I'm going to ask them those three questions um, because I want their input, and I'll either agree with them um, or I'll say, hey, this might be a better way to do it, or I might have to take the bull by the horns at that point and and say, okay, we, we have a major problem that we can't fix. Um, let's go, we'll start digging for a solution. But I make them part of the solution. Um, and right. I would tell you that that's the key thing on a team. Sure, there's always going to be a stronger person. Um, but, um, and, and I, Jen, I think you hit the nail on the head. With maturity, I would tell you 10 years ago, if somebody came in that was more talented than me, it would threaten me. Right. Um, right. Now I, I look for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I look. Yeah. And well, I even, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, what I was going to say is, you know, I, I learned from someone else I had talked to not too long ago, or well, maybe a year ago, is that, you know, when we, with tenure and over time, you know, it's like going up a, a big building in an elevator, you know, you, ha you accumulate your years and you and I are on our, you know, you're on your 28th or 30th, I'm on my 35th floor, right? And um, so that, that tenure starts growing and developing and that we have to remember sometimes if we go back down and pick people up and bring them up with us and lift them up with us that we will learn along the way. But there's that tendency to say, hey, I'm up here, you're that down there and I'm not going to learn from you, but it is so opposite. Agreed. Agreed 100%. And when structuring, you guys, um, you know, uh, some of you are newer and you're going to be building a team, um, just remember, look, look for, I would say, look, I, I don't hire anybody that, um, that doesn't come as a referral. Um, I've learned that the hard way. Um, I always ask, if, you're, if you don't have that opportunity and you're, you know, let's say you're hiring somebody from an ad, um, I would tell you, make sure to call on the referrals. Um, call their past, um, their past people they've worked with and, you know, ask them the questions they're legally allowed to ask. But um, I keep it very, I don't, I don't really ask too much about their work performance. I ask about their work ethic. Um, what do they believe in? Um, again, my, my, my circle has changed a lot in the past couple years. And um, I, I hire people who have the same belief system that our team does. Um, yeah. You can, have the most talent, yeah, you can have the most talented person in the world that can process 100 loans, but if they're not going to fit your culture, it's, it's going to end up not working. And there's going to be resentments. Mm -hmm. And, boy, I'll tell you, and I know, Jen, you probably have felt this too, when you have resentments in a team, oh, God, it's like babysitting. <laughs> it is. It is. Because the people that are really good on your team are saying, what is wrong with my leader that she's allowing that to happen? You know, so and, and so it really affects your leadership skills as well, and it, it undermines you. So, you know, totally, totally agree. Okay, so you've got this office manager. So that's three people. Who else do you have on your team? So then I have um, a, um, I call it a production partner and her assistant. So the production partner's job is to take the loan from contract to close. So. Okay. Um, I'll, and then she has an assistant that helps her do that because there's so much paperwork that's involved in a loan nowadays. So I'll right. run through a, just a general loan, like a general purchase for me. Um, the pre-qual, um, I will, so the client calls me, wants to get pre-qualed. I send it over to my quote-unquote office manager. 
he will send out the needs list. He'll put the file together. Um, he'll let me know that it's approvable or not. I will then um, go take a one quick glance over, price the product, do a mortgage coach presentation for the client, mm -hmm. um, showing them the benefits of, of um, you know, what they're looking for. We, we do ask a lot of key questions in that intake interview, which I do, which is, you know, what's their plan? Um, is this a five-year goal? Is this an end-all goal? Um, so that we can kind of get a – we want to know what their – plans are because we want to make sure we're hitting their financial goals because sometimes a 30-year fix is not the appropriate loan for them. Right. Um, right. So once that's done, uh, the file goes into a pre-approved status. Um, we do a follow-up with them, and that goes back to my business developer. Her job is to say every two weeks we follow up on every pre-approval. Um, mm -hmm. We talk to the agent and the client to see how it's going. Is there anything that they need from us? Would they like any, to see any more presentations? If at the point they say they would like another presentation because they're going to a different price point, then the um, lead would be assigned back to me, and then I would do that and call the client. Other than that, most of the time that does not happen. It goes, um, it stays within you know our pre-approved status. Then the client goes to contract. Um, I will call them, congratulate them, introduce them to the, their team, which um, is going to be Julia and Joe taking them to the finish line, and I'm very clear on my handoff. That was another yeah. thing that I learned. Um, I let them know that I am, my job is to set the tempo of the loan. I am the conductor, um, but I have a team that will help you go to the finish line. And I do the handoff very professionally that they are, this is their job. They're excellent at their job. They know how to dot all the I's and T's that I'm not good at anymore, that this is where their, their expertise comes in, and they're going to make sure that you close on time. If you have any challenges with the loan, please go to them first. Um, I am always going to be there to answer questions, but they are going to be more equipped and more available to answer those questions um, right on the spot for you. Um, I don't, a lot of people don't like, you know, team members because they think too many people are touching the team. I would disagree with that. When you get to the level of production, there's no way that I can do 102 units by myself. No way. I don't no care way. if I work yeah. 24 hours a day. <laughs> I couldn't do it. And right. So I do that handoff, and I, I let them handle it. If the client leaves me a message about a question on a CD, I forward that to Julia for her to call them and, and answer the questions. If she can't answer it or if they still want to talk to me, I'll absolutely talk to them. Um, right. Something else that I do is I always um, – I touch base two times during that 30-day transaction personally. Um, I believe in the personal touch. I, that does not go to my assistant. It goes to me where I'll pick up the phone and call them and ask them how it's going. I'll call the realtors and ask them how is it going. My job is to keep the realtors moving forward and wanting to use us and to keep the client happy. Um, but I do make those personal phone calls, and I, I have it scheduled twice a week to make out those phone calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right. Okay, so that's interesting that you do it in a scheduled format um, because the way I do it is at milestones. So I, use, I still have a time block, but I use it as a milestones, you know, where if the, if the loan just got approved, then I'm going to do a video and I'm going to call, you know, whoever I'm calling based on my process. But um, interesting that you do that, and I, and I love it. And, and the point being is that it doesn't matter how you do it, it's do it. Right? You've got to have communication. You can't just do the strategy with the loan and then leave the whole situation and show up at closing. They're just, they just don't know who you are. 
They have no idea who Correct. they are. Right. Okay. And well, I would, thank you. And I would say, yeah, phone calls, other than an email, a phone call or a video is so much more impactful mm-hmm. than an email saying, hey, congratulations, you're approved. Um, one of the yeah. other things my team does, they are not allowed. To, they have to call when that file transfers over to them. They are required, part of their um, bonus structure, they're required within 24 hours to reach out via phone to that client and introduce themselves. I am Julia. I'm going to be working on your file. I want to let you know I'm, I have it calendared for tomorrow. I just wanted to, to introduce myself and let you know here's my personal phone number to ask me any questions that you have. Here's my personal email. Um, same thing with the milestones. When their loan's approved, a milestone email automatically goes out to them saying, congratulations, you're approved. Julia will be reaching out to you within 24 hours to go over your final conditions. Um, and again, a phone call is required. We'll do a follow-up email on every single conversation. Um, it seems to help uh, keep, you know, people saying, well, I didn't hear that because we've got it in writing. Um, and then when the loan closes, um, that's, what, that's my final call on the thing. I call the clients, congratulate them, ask them how their experience was, ask them to please review it. And then I do the same with the agents. I call them and ask them, how was their experience? Is there anything that we could have changed that you would have liked to see more? Um, if somebody tells me they felt like we over-communicated, I, I usually giggle when somebody says that, and I'll say, then we did our job. I said, because <laughs> most of the time, most of the time people are under-communicated with. So. Right. Yeah, isn't it funny that people have done that? We just received a, a survey back from a client that said too many, too many com- uh, emails, too much communication, and I was like, really? And so, you know, it, and of course, we do something similar what you do, where you do your hit and misses. We do our, you know, opportunity game. We call it the opportunity game, and every month we review all our loans and say what went right and what didn't, and um, play a game. You know, what opportunities do we have ahead of us? And and um, you know, we're actually looking at that and saying, could we be over communicating? I mean, someone said something about it so maybe we better check but but you are right I mean if you didn't communicate they'd be even more upset so it's hilarious okay well thank you for sharing all that I think it's I think it's beautiful and I know that you know one of the other reasons that I wanted to talk with you right now specifically and I you know really hounded you about meeting me sooner than later is that um we have been talking um, about some of the action plans that people, you know, the action items that people are taking for starting off the new year. So if someone's listening in, and we're going to be publishing this before the end of the year, um, if they're listening in and saying, okay, well, I think I have a business plan. Maybe I, had, maybe I don't. Maybe I'll incorporate some of Michelle's ideas in here. Um, what are some, you know, quick, easy, and I think you've got like three or four things that, that you would say, this is what you need to do. If you haven't done it, you have got to do this now in order to get your business off to a great start in 2018. Well, the first and most important one I would say is, you know, identify your realtors that you're working with and get, get on their calendar now before the holidays. So if, you, if, this, if this podcast goes out next week, get your, if it's five realtors, then it's five realtors. You call them up and you set the appointments now for January um, and February. Fill up your calendar uh, our script is we know the holidays are coming. It's going to be a little bit crazy. Um, how does January 19th work for you for lunch? Um, we just, we kind of make it a very, um, we try to make it where they can't say no to us. Um, mm-hmm. And then we always call to follow up. That would be the number one, number one priority is get on, your, get in front of your realtors because 
there are going to be in January and February and March. We all know it. We've been through the cycle. January, February, March, every single real, every single loan office is going to start calling every realtor. They're going to start going to every open house. They're going to try to get in front right. of it. So again, if you don't do it, somebody else is. So get in front of your, your realtors while they're in a happy mood because it's the holidays, they're ending the year, and um, stay in front of them. And before you leave that appointment with them, ask them for your next appointment. Um, don't be afraid to ask them to say, how did you like the appointment? Um, how, and, you know, hey, I've got an opening in March. What does March 3rd look like for you? Um, and, again, put it on the calendar, follow up with them a week before. That would, that's number one. Your second yeah, absolutely. Thing. So, yeah. well, before you go to number two, so let me just, you yeah. know, make sure everybody heard that and we have the insights behind that. You know, it, it takes up sometimes for, for a lot of us, right? And it takes up a lot of nerve to call a realtor and get an appointment, right? And so if you have the appointment and you're sitting where, there with them, there's no reason to do one and done. Let's do one and one. And the next time we'll meet and we'll do one and one. And then you won't have to get up the nerve to make that phone call again. So hopefully everybody heard that. And, and in addition to that, it's a time saver, right? Not, you know, do you have next Tuesday at 3? No. How about Wednesday at 1? And so it eliminates all of that. It's, a, it's an efficiency. It also, you know, helps us feel better because all we're doing is doing the confirmation of the meeting, um, right? So I'm going to add one more thing. So you make the appointment, you finish the appointment, and obviously you're sending a thank you note. But I think it's also important to send a note to them saying, thank you so much for scheduling with me. I have carved out this time specifically for you, and I look forward to seeing you on that date. Because now they're less apprehensive about rescheduling. Love it. I, I also send them a calendar invite, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You so. just put them on a calendar invite. I just sent you your calendar invite. and. And again, Jen used to hit the nail on the head on something that I think we've all gotten away from in this millennial age. Send them a handwritten thank you note for taking the time to speak to you. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Okay, so good. So we're just compounding everything that you're talking about here to make sure everybody has all kinds of ideas on what to do. Okay, so that's number one. So let's get in touch with our realtors, get appointments, make ourselves, you know, get ourselves super busy in the beginning of the year. So now what's number two? What else could they be doing right now to ensure that they get a nice spark in their business next year? Well, one thing I want to step back just a second. When people, I, I asked some of um, my coworkers that I go, why are you afraid to make the appointment? They go, we don't know what we're going to talk about. Right. Um, so <laughs> I always, I always giggle cause I go, you don't really need to talk. All you need to ask them is, you know, how did you, you ask them the questions you let them talk. Um, but Jen, something you brought up on today's call, which was great. And I keep forgetting about it, but I use it all the time. It's cheap. Um, what was it? It's, uh, what do you want to keep doing? Oh, what stop, do you want to stop, stop start and keep. Yeah, start, sharp, and keep. Bring, I think there's, a, there's a, a printout on that, and you just bring that with you, and you say, hey, if, if you don't know what to talk about, you're staring at a person across the table, go, this is a great opportunity. What did you do last year that you loved and you want to keep doing? What did you do last year that you really don't want to do again? And what can I help you with this year that you want to start doing? I promise right. you that will be an hour-long conversation. <laughs> exactly. Look at that. How quick was that? Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And it's all about them and not about you. So it's not that you don't know what to talk about. We all can talk about products, but if we're not, you know, we're not there to dump, dump our toolbox out to them. We're there to learn about what they need from our toolbox to help their business grow. 
Mm-hmm. That was probably a great lesson my coach taught me four years ago. He goes, you need to go to the meeting and be quiet and listen. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was at first, I was like, what? I mean, don't they want to hear what I can do for them? And they don't. They want to hear what you can. They want to hear. You need to hear what their pain point is. And then I promise you, your toolbox, everything that's in your toolbox is going to come out at that point. And let's say you have a 15-day close. Don't start off with that. You know, ask them, you know, did you have any, any loans that didn't close on time? And they'll, they'll say, oh, I had like four monster, email, you know, loans that didn't. Well, how about, how would a 15-day guaranteed close work for you? Um, and again, these are just conversations to have and scripting that you can do with them. And I promise your first one, you're going to, you're going to fumble and it's okay. Um, yeah. The second one, you'll be better at. The third one, you're going to be incredible at. And by the fourth and fifth one, you're going to be experts at it. Don't yeah. be afraid. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so good. Thank you. So what's number two? Let's go to number Number, two. Number two, this is a great way for you to stay in touch with the clients that you closed last year. Um, We do a closing statement um, program. So the first week in January, we pull our closing statements from the loans that closed last year, and we send them all out to the client. You can do it via FedEx if you have the budget to do that. I don't do that anymore. I do it via email. Um, I have a script I'm happy to share with Jen that we send out. And then we also ask them in the body of that, if you'd like us to send it to your CPA, all we would need is his name, phone number, and email address. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's another way to possibly grab an accountant um, to do that, to um, send that to. But um, I will tell you over 70%, I get a 70% open ratio on that email. That's pretty high. That's very yeah. high. Yeah, that's very high. Okay. So, so what, what kind, so they open, what kind of, um, is it just a courtesy that you're giving that to them, uh, to the financial planner? I'm sorry, the, the tax advisor, or is it that you're trying to cultivate a relationship with them? So do you do any follow-up from that or is it we, just copying to them? We do, we do it mostly as a courtesy, but if a CPA, you know, thanks us, um, you know, uh, you know, other than, you know, just the normal thank you, just, oh, my gosh, this is great, we will then open up an opportunity to say, hey, we'd love, if you, if you love this service, um, this is something that we do as a courtesy for all of our clients, um, mm-hmm. love to meet with you after tax season because usually the tax people are going to be overwhelmed by that time. We do use right. as an opportunity. I believe that there are seven, let me just make sure I'm right, every time you do a loan, and a purchase loan, there are seven opportunities for you. Opportunity number one is your client, obviously. Opportunity number two is your client's friends, family, and fear of influence. Opportunity number three is the, their agent. Opportunity number four is their, the listing agent. Opportunity number five is the financial planner. And opportunity number six is the CPA. So, and seven if you want to go to, um, to their insurance, whoever's doing their insurance. So you have seven opportunities on every loan that you close at the purchase. Okay, I have one more for you. Eight. Eight. They have a job. Mm. You would now have the ability to go to their corporate office, you know, to them and ask, would, hey, would you feel comfortable introducing me to someone in payroll or HR? I would love to come in and do lunch and learns at your office. Oh, I love that. Okay. Eight. Eight. So, yeah. guys, I mean, that's so huge. Eight opportunities for every loan. That's why it's that's if you ever wonder why those top producers are so anal and so stressed about making sure we close on time and do a good job, it's because we have eight opportunities on every loan. Yeah, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. Okay, what else? What else do you think everybody could be doing? So, so sending out the um, I feel say HUD. Sorry, sending out the CD. Yeah. <laughs> and communicating. I know it's a habit. Um, sending out the CD. Uh, nurture. You know, getting in touch with our realtors and getting in front of them. Maybe our other referral partners too. It's a great time to do that. Um, then reaching out to our clients and their sphere of influence. And now, what what would be something else that you uh, think would be important for us to be planning? to get things okay. moving quickly. So um, I, um, this is something I do on every closed client. Again, this is going to be tapping into your existing database. Mm-hmm. Um, is yep. First of all, you need to have a database. Um, and you need to have it into a CRM. I don't care what CRM you use. It's whatever CRM works for you. Um, you can go very expensive to very you know, moderate, um, but you have to have all your data into one place. Um, when I close a loan, I do, a, it's called the, I have a 45 day, a six month and an annual review. So on the 45 day, it's really just the first payment reminder is to ask them, please, if you haven't had a chance, make sure to review us. Um, I let them know that my team's bonuses, um, are tied to how many reviews they get. Um, and we, you know, we do like to recognize the team. Um, and then it's to remind them of, you know, please make your first payment if you're having any questions at all. If you get any supplemental tax bills, anything like that that comes through the mail, please ask us. You don't have, you should not have, there's so much junk mail that comes out when you buy a house or when you yeah. finance. Anytime your property changes, don't send any money without calling me first um, because you're, everything's been paid for on the loan. Um, that is my for, first touch at 45 days. That is via email. Um, I have an email template that goes out. Then I calendar for six months to check in with them to make sure everything's going well. At that point, I use that as an opportunity to look at, did, that, did property values go enough, up enough to change things? Has their financial plan changed in six months? I also look at the growth. I'll take the time to you know, Google or Zillow and see what kind of property wealth they have. Um, so... Let's say that they bought it for 250000 and according to Zillow, the value is now 260 I make sure when I call them on the phone, hey, oh, my gosh, did you realize that in less than six months, you're $10,000 richer? Congratulations on that investment that you just made. Um, I want to make sure that I'm complimenting everything they've done. I also ask them, is there anything that come up that you know, might have changed? Is there anything with a loan that I can answer any questions for? Um, Again, if there is a huge, you know, let's say we have a jump in values again, I take that opportunity to ask them if um, they want to look at what it would look like if we could get rid of mortgage insurance. If they're in an adjustable and let's say the rates are starting to go up crazy, I use that as an opportunity to say, hey, are you, or do you want to look at a fixed rate loan right now um, because of the adjustables going up? So I just use it as an opportunity to ask them how, if there's anything that I can do to help them. And then the last one is the annual review, and that is, um, I think Jen will agree with me, this is probably the most important one that you do every year. If you're not going to do anything else, you have to do an annual review. Um, and you review what has happened in the last year with them. Look at their growth. Look at how much, you know, show them how much principal they've paid down already. Um, you can do that by an amortization schedule or calendar. Um, I happen to do a mortgage coach presentation on that mm-hmm. to show them here's, you know, what you bought at. Here's where you're at now. This is fantastic. Um, is there anything that's changed? Is there any family members or friends that you know that 
are out looking at their, you know, using an opportunity to touch them. It's such a soft touch, and it's such a, I don't, it's, it's not, the, the lead's already yours, and if you've done your job during the full year and you touch them three times, your CRMs, you know, holidays, you've done your birthday cards, this is an easy call for you. It's a very warm call. It's not a cold call. And right. just to, you know, I, I know this is my fear. What happens when you call the client and they go, who? <laughs> oh, and I, I know exactly what you're about ready to say, and I cannot wait for you to share this. And, yeah, yeah, you know, the first time I got that, I will tell you, Jen, I almost wanted to hang up the phone. I was like, right. oh, my gosh, they don't even know who I am. And right. I'll go, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. It's Michelle from Arbor. And gosh, I'm, and I always laugh. And I go, man, I must not have been doing my job if you don't know who I am anymore. And I'm making a joke. And they right. go, oh, Michelle, because um, they go, oh, I thought you were Michelle, my neighbor, or, you know, something. Right. So <laughs> I just, I laugh it off. I don't let that stop me from making that call. I will tell you, it crippled me um, a couple years ago. I just stopped making the calls because I was like, oh, so embarrassed. But again, who cares? I mean, Jen, how would you handle something like that? Uh, yeah, I know. And they, they said, oh, it's Jen. It's Jen. Do you remember me from, from when we helped you buy your house with Missy, you know, the real estate agent? I mean, I would probably be doing that exact same thing. I mean, I'd, I'd struggle through it and just say what, you know, giving them ideas. And remember we talked about and I gave you that gift at closing. I mean, that's what I would do. Same thing. Struggle through it. That's so perfect. Struggle through that's it. so perfect. I don't do that anymore, but that's what I would do, you know, mm-hmm. but... And I, and I had to get over it, too. And what I learned, just like what you just said, um, but you're, what you're about ready to say is even better. Um, and, uh, but, you know, making sure that you don't allow them. You know, when we think about a closing, it's like closing a casket. We bring them a gift. It's a parting gift. And we close the casket on the relationship. And what I realized was if I could hold on to that relationship and not allow them to break up with me, by having a system after closing, then I didn't have that problem when I made the phone call. And so, so it was true. me. It was me. I had to make the change. It wasn't them. It's not up to them. It's up to me. But I love what you're about ready to say. So go ahead. Share it. I can't no. wait. Well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm going to say what you're going to say, but so <laughs> one of the things when I do my initial intake call, and, and I do this on every single email you'll see send, send out, when we, when we close this transaction, I always, I tell people, my, I said, we really, part of our, our core values is we really hope that you come in as clients, but you leave as family because that's how we, that we treat you like we would any of our family members. And we're, I said, I don't know if it's, we're like the bad redheaded stepchild. I always make a joke. I said, but you don't lose us until you want to lose us. I said, you are in my family for the rest of your life. And I said, and we hope that you feel comfortable enough to call us. And I get phone calls all the time. And people go, well, I know this is a stupid question. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm going to stop them right there. And I'm going to say there is never such thing as a stupid question, ever. Right. And right. even if it is a dumb question, I laugh. And I go, okay, well, that one was pretty good. Or, or I'll say, <laughs> I haven't heard that. I heard that one before. Um, but you just, I mean, you make yourself open. You share Something that I had to learn over the last couple of years was to share a piece of myself with my clients. Be I was vulnerable. very, mm-hmm. yeah, I was very technical for the first couple of years. You know, it's very cut and dry. Um, you either liked my style or you didn't. Um, and now I've learned to 
you know, my clients know that I have a love of horses. They know I rescue horses because that comes out in our intake interview. Um, I learn and look for what, what, you know, is good for them. They'll tell me, oh, my son's going to soccer. I write that down so that the next time, and, and I read my notes before I make that phone call um, because I want to make sure that I, I would love to tell you at 50 I could remember every single client that I did. <laughs> I can vaguely remember them, but I don't remember yeah. all the details of the loan. So I rely yeah. on my CRM to tell me that. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid to take some notes and don't be afraid to be vulnerable with them because that makes you human. And, you know, in this age where people are going to online, you know, you can type in at Rocket Mortgage and have your loan completely approved by a computer. There's no personal connection there. And right. um, I don't, I don't want to be that kind of loan. So that's not who I am. Um, I am. I'm a relationship builder, and I pride myself on that people want to use me because of my knowledge and that because I'm going to be able to help them, not because – I'm going to give them the best rate ever. I'm going to do my best, but there's always going to be somebody that's going to beat your rate always. And if you don't think that that's true, um, yeah, chose the to, wrong field, yeah. right? Yeah, we chose I mean, the wrong that, field. There's always we, somebody. We have to expect that that's going to happen. And so, and so here, what Michelle's saying, because here is a producer, you know, who's closing ninety million dollars a year, who is telling you that she doesn't lead with rate. It's proof in the pudding. You don't have to lead with rate. It's not about your rate. It's about who you are and the service you're providing to your clients and the communication that you're providing during the transaction so that it's a memorable, so they're compelled to tell people about you um, and, you know, want to work with you rather than, you know, it's the difference between promoting yourself and attracting people. There's a difference there. And I can tell, I, I know what's going through, I probably can guess what's going through half your people's Half, half everybody who's on the call. Rates always come up. Rates always come up. How do you, how do you diffuse that? Um, so if I get somebody who immediately goes on the calls and goes, what's your best rate? I go, well, I would love to tell you that, but I need to know more information first. I mm-hmm. diffuse it. And I'll say, I'll be yeah. happy to give you a quote, but I need to know more about the situation before I can tell you what my rate is. I said, I can quote you three and a quarter percent, but can I deliver that? No. Right. Um, I said, so Let's talk about the, the guts. And I get them off that. I just really keep them off. Now, listen, you're going to have people that are always going to be rate-driven and they're going to shop you. Those are shoppers. Expect that. Understand right. it. And have, have a plan in place on how to deal with that. If somebody says, I'm, you know, I've had people that will call me and say, I am looking for the best rate. And I'll say, fantastic. And I'm going to give you the best rate that I have available. But I need right. a little for bit more information. For your situation. Yeah, for your yeah. situation. And I always tell them, with your permission, I need to ask you a couple of questions or yeah. I need your help to be able to give you the best grade. Um, yeah. And I, I put the onus back on them. And then I tell them the payment first. Yeah. And then I tell mm-hmm. them the rate. Yeah. Yeah. So the one thing you didn't say was you probably weren't expecting my call. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Because <laughs> I just learned that one and I'm trying to get used to that one. Yeah, me um, too. <laughs> yeah. You probably weren't expecting my call when somebody, when somebody says, hey, um, you know, uh, does that question mark and gets really silent or you can tell they're talking to you. You know, you know when somebody's talking to you, they don't really know who you are. And you go, you know, you probably weren't expecting my call. And I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I apologize immediately. I am so sorry. I got so far behind. I, I wasn't able to do I wasn't able to call you at your six-month anniversary, and I apologize for that. I immediately diffused the situation, and, and when I say, you know, I didn't get to call you at your six-month anniversary of closing your loan, it usually will give them the opportunity to not feel. 
Because some people, and most people feel bad when they don't remember who you are. And I don't want my clients to feel bad right. if they don't remember who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I absolutely love it. And I shared it with it. When you shared it with us, we, you know, I shared it with my team and they're all doing that. You know, you're probably not expecting, you probably weren't expecting my phone call and just take a breath. No, I wasn't. Who are you again? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I think it's been, you know, really great in learning and learning that, that verbiage. And I think it's real easy to implement. Absolutely easy. And I wish I had put it in my catchphrases podcast because I would have, I would have added that to there. Okay. So we're going to call and we're going to, we're going to get loaded up with appointments and we're going to book one or two of them so that we're loaded up for a while. We're going to assess what we want to stop, start, and keep. We want to recognize the opportunities that we have in every loan and put something together so that we can take advantage of that. Then for the loans that we've already closed, we may have to go back and, and suck a little crow here you know, and say, hey, you probably weren't expecting me. I meant to call you at 45 days, and now it's been eight months, and I forgot. But I want to talk to you. And so implementing a 45-day, six-month or um, annual mortgage review, um, making sure that we're prepared for the rate question because as rates go up, this is going to be a bigger question more often. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with? Mm. I would say walk, you know, for me is one of the things I, I pride myself on when I talk to clients is I tell them my job is not, to tell you what you can't do. My job is to show you what I can do for you. Um, and if you, I wish I would have learned this 10 years ago because I'd probably be retired by now. If you can be vulnerable, if you can be okay with admitting your mistakes, if you can be quick to find the solution, and if you are, can walk through some of the fear of getting that call of who are you, you are going to go so far. And don't yeah. rely on your email to do your job for you. Your job as an originator in my mind is to make that phone call. It's that personal relationship. Now you're going to have some people that like to communicate via email. That's fine. I still call those people because I want them to hear my voice because mm -hmm. it's almost like you can get them in front of you. That's like a game changer. Um, but not a lot of people you can do. My, my, uh, my fear goes all the way from San Diego to LA. So I can't always meet with people face to face. But when I meet face to face, I mean, I, I almost never lose that deal. I don't care what rate somebody's quoting. I almost never lose that deal. And be okay when those big banks come in and they're running a special and they come in and scoop out the loan you've been working on a year, you know, with a year. Be happy for that client and let them know, oh, my gosh, that's a great rate. And if they can lock you in, oh, my gosh, what can I do to help you? Do you need me to forward any information over to you? Be gracious in your losses because they will remember that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Last thing. I really I, totally. key, key last thing. When you lose a client, don't just lose the client. Call mm -hmm. them. At, call them or email them at 15 days and check it and see how that loan's going. Yeah. Call them in 45 days and make sure you congratulate them on their closing. Yeah, and at that 45 days, you're also asking if you can now manage their mortgage because most likely the other loan officer has moved on because it was a transaction and not a family member. Right. Exactly. They've moved on. And so they've kind of, you've been orphaned by your last lender. They, they left you, you know, hanging. So now maybe what you can pick up, although you didn't originate that original loan, you can now help manage that loan through the six month and the annual mortgage review and therefore get business from their friends and family as a result. Exactly. Great, 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 great idea. Thanks.
Thanks. Well, I thank you for all of these wonderful ideas and for sharing this. I, I, you know, I know that this is going to be a highly popular podcast. So uh, thank you for taking the time to, to share with me. It's, um, it's just really special to me, and I, I really, really appreciate you. So I, um, I, thanks. Just thank you very much. You're welcome, Jen, and I appreciate you as well. And I appreciate everybody on here who's taking the time to listen because it takes a lot to admit that you need to make some change. Yeah, absolutely. So kudos to all of you guys listening in. All right. Well, thank you again, Michelle, and uh, thanks for listening in. And I hope you can take some of these ideas and make a big difference in 2018 as you're heading out um, to conquer the world and, you know, win next year. So again, go to iTunes, please write a review. We love hearing um, what you have to say. And if you have any ideas about any other future topics, You know I'm always open to hearing about them, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a comment or rating. Get more free email updates, transcripts, selling and education resources, and Jen's upcoming speaking events. Just visit our website at kineticsparkconsulting.com.